Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Caraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? I'm amazing. Radio. And welcome to another edition of It's M Amazing Radio with me, DJ Mark, as your host. And let's get the elephant out of the room, first and foremost. Uh, if you did not catch last week's episode, you might be very confused as to why I am opening the show and not Dr. Law. Um, Bobby is out of town this week, so I am taking uh, hosting duty off of his shoulders. But fear not, for I do not come into this endeavor alone. I am joined by our East Coast connection, Lavender Grooms. How's it going, Lavender? Mark, don't lie to the people, all right? Last month, I hosted an episode. This month, you're hosting an episode. Let's just tell the people the truth. We are slowly phasing Bobby out. And in about like three months, we're all like, Bobby's going to walk into her room. All three of us are in there with somber looks on our face. And we just say, Bobby, you're out. We have majority share, even though technically Bobby owns this whole conglomerate. <laughs> but... It is not only just me and Lavender, uh, we are also joined here with Kid Presentable. How's it going? Hey, you know me, I was, always got to get the Bulldogs set up. Yeah. I hear we're, uh, we're, we're, we're crapping on Bobby. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're planning our ruse right now on how we can take over. It's amazing, because this has been our dream, is to not have Bobby do all the heavy lifting himself and have us do it instead. Uh, we got it actually pretty sweet. Um, like Mike said when he hosted the show, there's a lot of stuff going on uh, when you're producer as well. So uh, like Mike said, very thankful that Bobby you know, does so much heavy lifting that he does. And we just got to you know, jump on here and, and talk shit, <laughs> even when yes, he's not we here. Are. <laughs> All right, so um, I mean, we are sandwiched in between some fight cards as we usually are with the UFC. Uh, this week is no different. Uh, we are coming off of that fantastic main event, Justin Gaethje and Donald Cerrone. At least on paper, we had the the, the makings of a fight of the year type of candidate. I think we're all envisioning uh, fights that Justin had with Dustin Poirier, Eddie Alvarez. Uh, some of the wars he had with Michael Johnson is same thing with Donald Cerrone, who has had, you know, multiple fight of the night uh, victories himself. Uh, we didn't quite get that in depth of a matchup. But, Mike, why don't you kind of break down what we saw on Saturday night with Gaethje and Donald Cerrone? Yeah, I'm sure we were all definitely hoping that this is going to be one of those five round slobber knockers. But that's for sure not what we got. Uh, Donald came out looking pretty patient, but Gaethje, as he wants to do, you know, he came out fast and looked to be a step ahead of Cowboy for pretty much the entirety of the fight. You know, Justin, he did a good job, uh, you know, attacking the legs, following it up with uh, with a lot of headshots, which kept Cowboy, you know, off balance. You know, a lot of his shots were, were pretty heavy that Justin was winging. And not too long after the start of the fight, you know, a short amount of time later, uh, a lot of them started, uh, a lot of those hard rights started to, to land. And before long, you know, Cowboy was on the floor and the ref was putting Gaethje off. And that was all she wrote. Yeah, I always am kind of, at least I'm, I'm constantly surprised every time I see Gaethje fight and see him utilizing the low kicks so much, especially against a guy like Donald Cerrone, who I would 
kind of think of as, as more of a technical kickboxer who would probably be better utilizing that. Uh, a little note that I heard from uh, Gaethje after the fight um, and some of the training that he did leading up to this fight was to constantly move off the center line when Donald Cerrone was resting, and that would negate a lot of the kicks. And we didn't see Cerrone utilize kicks in this fight all that much. Um, somewhat controversial was the stoppage. Not so much that it came too early, but to Justin Gaethje, um, it came way too late. Steph, um, do you remember when we watched that? And can, can you kind of recall how upset Justin Gaethje was that he had to, had to put some extra hands on Donald Cerrone when he didn't feel it was necessary? Well, I was telling you, like, from the start, I immediately noticed it was that referee, Jaron Vallel. And I was like, you oh, did call the perennial fuck-up is getting the main event? Like, that's lofty duty. Something wonky is going to happen at the end here. You also sure called enough, that, he, like, you could tell he looked nervous. <laughs> He's like, I'm in the main event, and I should not be here. He's like, I, yeah, it's one of those things. It's like, he stops it too early, he stops it too late. Either way, he doesn't know the appropriate time to stop it. But like you said, it was like, Justin, he, he dropped him with two big rights. And then Donald was just basically in all fours, not defending, not covering, not even moving. Um, and Donald, I think he he disputed it, but I think it's just because he was concussed and he doesn't realize what happened. But yeah, on two occasions, he uh, Justin Gaethje looked up at Jaron Vallel to be like, is that enough? No. Another one? Is that enough? No. And then he finally stepped in after like three or four on completely after not after the fact, just unnecessary extra shots on the ground because yeah, Cerrone was knocked out from the moment he got dropped. Um, yeah, Vallel is a terrible judge. Fortunately, this was an ESPN Plus card. Um, so it's just less profile as opposed to the pay-per-views, but I don't know how that guy keeps getting work. What's even crazier is just that when Gaethje was looking over like, hey, are you going to stop this? I think on two of those occasions, there was a solid half second to a second where he literally just stopped punching Donald, looked over, and Donald still had no idea to defend himself. And that's how out Donald was. Yeah, there was really, I, at the end of the day, there was no, I don't think there was any argument about, you know, if it was ended too early. It was definitely too late. Uh, and it was just, it's just in one of those positions where I can understand a referee not fully understanding, like, okay, he's on all fours. Is he about to get up? Is he about to advance? Um, that was certainly not the case. And I think what really hurt it too was Justin not only, you know, breaking away from the fight to talk to the referee and say, yo, dude, you need to end this fight. There was a lot of hesitance when he did end the fight. He didn't even seem like he was fully committed. It seemed like Justin kind of talked him into it. And luckily, it was the right move to do. Um, but, you know, any way you slice it, huge win for Justin uh, Gaethje. Uh, Donald Cerrone, obviously his stock went down a little bit because, he, you know, he was on a high back at welterweight. And he's dropped a few frights here, but still, you know, a high top contender in the lightweight division. And I think my biggest takeaway from this fight with Gaethje is probably like what you guys um, took away as well. It's just like this is a nether solid performance from Justin Gaethje where not only does he get a spectacular win but he doesn't sustain a significant amount of damage and one of the things that um you know it's too bad Bobby's not here he kind of uh texted us the day before the fight obviously because Bobby and Mike had some money on this fight Bobby was out of town he was he was playing those numbers and he told us I think it was on Friday that I guess Justin Gaethje said that he had some kind of eye injury and was wearing sunglasses. And that was a little concerning when uh, he told me that because eye injuries can, you know, very much affect your, your fight game. Uh, and I was very much concerned when Gaethje was coming out. And I don't know if you caught this, Mike. I mentioned it to Steph. Justin Gaethje's got a little bit of that Bisbing eye going on now where one of his eyes is kind of looking the other direction. And 
don't know if you noticed it too. Cerrone hit him with a couple of good punches, and it definitely looked like those affected his eye. I'm a little concerned going forward if that's going to be a major factor. Did you notice that, Mike? Was that any concern of you? I mean, you, you think you had money on this fight, right? You picked Gaethje to win, had bucks on it. Yeah, me and Barley. Okay, me and Barley. Me and Bobby uh, had a had a parlay going. Uriah Hall, the original plum pick, was uh, the first part of that parlay. So uh, I. Oh picked man, Gaethje we were screaming during that fight. The Uriah Hall portion of the fight was giving you guys palpitations. <laughs> we're like, we're like, oh, they definitely don't want this to go to decision. Uh, well, that's a good sidetrack, but I really wasn't getting any palpitations from that Uriah Hall fight because I thought full well. Well, he just he lost that fight. Like there <laughs> okay, wasn't good, good, any good. drama in my head. The the pop well, I mean, happened when I heard that Rai Hall won. <laughs> I mean, the, the specific moment in the fight where uh, I, I know we're getting sidetracked. I'll, I'll bring it back, you know, and we'll just gloss over it when we actually talk about it. But there's that moment in the fight where Uriah Hall is standing over Carlos Jr. and ground and pounding the shit out of him, and then he's for no reason, no reason whatsoever. He backs up and says okay, let's stand, and then Carlos Jr. immediately takes him down and takes his back. And we're like, yeah, good good job standing it back up, Uriah. You, now he's on your back. Now he's just chilling on your back. Yeah, and I'll say that that was kind of a theme for most of this main card was a lot of really close competitive matches, if not super entertaining, right? I think we had three or four pretty close matches that really weren't barn burners um one of those being the co-main event uh you know what you know before we go to the co-main event let's talk about gaichi because obviously he's the one that won he's the one that's in somewhat of a power position now a lot of people talking he's getting the winner of habib and tony ferguson i think that makes a lot of sense and also of course coming into the conversation was conor mcgregor who i don't know if you guys caught this tweeted some picture of him in a car <laughs> like that was his big response and they fucking played that they showed justin gaethje like oh look at this connor tweeted a thing it's a picture and it's like i didn't even say justin gaethje and it's like i don't need to hear his comments on what he's putting on instagram but where do you guys i'll go to uh to you steph first um where do you think justin goes next where do you want him to go where do you think logically he fits and you know stuff like that uh truly i don't think he needs to do a damn thing um yeah, logical Tony and Khabib is next. Absolutely, it's two of the best fighters. They've been on a collision course for a very, very long time. But as I say, that fight is snake-bitten. Um, you have two very injury-prone guys. All Justin Gaethje needs to do is stay training, stay ready, and stay on deck. He could very easily be next in line if one of those has to withdraw due to injury. Yeah, and, um, and he actually he mentioned that one of his concerns was time for training. He wants 12 10 to 8 weeks to train and he said I don't know do you guys remember when the Habib Tony fight is set up because I don't think it's too far out and he was kind of saying that would be short notice but if the opportunity presents himself and he's given the time to train he'd be interested in taking that fight um like Stefan said a very real um factor in all this is that some one of those two gets hurt and they do need a replacement and Justin Gaethje I think is at the top of that list um, but without the proper time, he seems a little hesitant to take that match. Um, Mike, well, what do you think about hypothetically him maybe fighting Connor towards the end of the year? Um, if, if let's say Habib and Tony are actually going to fight, Justin may want to wait out. He totally can. But if that Connor bells ring and do you think he should snag that? Do you think that's a smart move on Justin's part to take the big money fight with Connor instead of waiting for the title fight? So to answer the question you half asked uh, about a minute ago, 
I hey, don't, 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 that... don't critique the host in questions already. Just, no, no, just no, 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 no. This isn't a critique on you. It's just that <laughs> just you, kind you, of, you kind of asked aloud uh, when the Tony and Habib fight might be. I don't think a date has been set yet because I'm not seeing okay. anything online for that. Good, good, good. Um, to answer your question, though, uh, hell yeah. Hell yeah, take the Connor fight. All right? Unless you can melt the gold, like the, the UFC gold, and get as much as you would get in a Conor McGregor fight, no, you take the Cotter fight if you have it there, all right? That is a shit ton of money that you could make, all right? Yeah, yeah, the belt's nice. Yeah, immortality's nice, you know, being a legend, all that bullshit. You know what's even better? Fucking commas in your bank account. Uh, Mike, how do you think he measures up with Conor McGregor? Well, let's, let's say this fight goes to fruition. They're, the, everyone signed the papers. How do you see those two matching up? I think it's a great matchup for Conor. Um, I agree. Yep. <laughs> Justin is likely not going to be taking him down or trying to maul him like Habib did or how or how Chad Mendes was able to do for about a round and a half, which those are the type of guys that have presented issues for Connor. Uh, Justin is going to want to keep it standing. Uh, obviously, his uh, leg kicks could present a problem, but I think that Justin Gaethje is just the type of guy that Connor's Connor's weapons and skill set will lead for a great comeback fight and a good opportunity for Connor to display his skills and style on somebody. Yeah, I Mike, I actually completely agree. I think stylistically, that's a great matchup for Connor. I think Justin potentially could present some problems, but Steph, do you see it going any other way? Let's say Connor and Justin are going to lock horns. Do you think there's a chance or what would Justin have to do to kind of make that fight more competitive? Cuz on paper, I kind of agree with Mike. I mean, I think you guys are right, Connor. He's known for his accuracy, but um credit to uh Justin since his losses, he's not the same walk forward take one to give one guy anymore. He knows how to move, and that's the only fight showed it. He knows how to fight tactically. He knows how to come in because he has tremendous hand speed. Um, and you know what? I, I, you know, it's not even in the books, but you know, I like to kind of take random on the flyer picks. Sometimes I could very easily talk myself into Justin, um, just because uh, storyline, storyline, storylines. I think Connor's close to being exposed. Um, one thing that really stuck out in my head, real quick, is that in that Khabib fight, do you remember how that fight started? Is Khabib dropped him with a punch. And Khabib's punching is atrocious. He has was, sloppy technique, sloppy hand speed, and he knocked Connor on his ass. No, no, Steph, was that in the first round? I thought that was around the third round. It, it was the second. Khabib had already him. been, the, you know, taking Connor down a lot. It, it was the second. and But I think to his point, and I think ultimately what I would like to see in a fight with Justin and Connor is for him to utilize a skill set that he has not shown in the UFC, and that is to do some kind of grappling here. And I don't mean that he necessarily needs to shoot for the stars right as he gets in. I think he could box with Connor a little bit, get Connor comfortable in the mindset that like, okay, Gaethje from the outside, he's probably going to be throwing some low kicks. I can counter with a left straight. That's his money shot. Um, get, get, get Connor into that mindset and then if justin can crowd him get him against the cage maybe utilize some of that wrestling because i think steph's point is accurate to the to the to the t that if you can get connor thinking wrestling he might kind of drop his defense and i think with habib it was kind of a special case because i think he really did not respect habib's hands i think that would be a colossus mistake with justin gaethje because i think if he gets hit with a shot like he did from habib if justin's throwing that punch connor's going out or he's going to be able to finish that fight very soon uh but i think like we all said, that's a fight that I think plays into a lot of Connor's strengths. And I think 
just big money fights. Gaethje, I think, has has earned himself enough of the fan base for the people that don't know him to know that Gaethje Connor is a real bond burner, and they're going to get a great fight. So, you know, hopefully, we see that come to fruition. If you believe the rumors, uh, this fight was going to be announced during the summer for some time in the fall before Connor, I guess, broke his hand during training. Right. Yeah. The, 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 this one has been in the make, so it wouldn't was be that from it... punching the old man for not drinking his whiskey. Is that why he broke his hand? He, he hit him on the top, top of the, the dome. Ball. It's the hardest part of the head. <laughs> you know what they say about that old man's strength? <laughs> yep, it, it never leaves the skull. The skull is the last thing to lose the old man's strength. Uh, speaking of old man's strength, God, look at that segue. What a pro. Uh, Glover Teixeira, get another W. Um, this, kind of like, like I mentioned before, not the best fight in the world. Uh, Glover really leaned on that wrestling uh, I think, you know what, honestly, I think Glover did kind of the breakdown I did last week where I looked at Krylov, what he lost at. Dude doesn't like to get his head squeezed. Glover's pretty good at squeezing the head. Um, it turned into a bit more of a wrestling match and ultimately not a super exciting one. Um, but Teixeira was able to squeak out a split decision here. And I don't know what you do with Glover. Um, I'm going to throw this one to you, Steph. Uh, light heavyweight is kind of a shit show with a... There is a... A large swath of the old brass, right, where we have Glover Teixeira, and there's the new up upcomers, but Glover's hanging around. He's in the top four. Where do you see him going next? What kind of fights do you want to see him in? Is there anything that gets you interested at all? Um, I guess the fight to book for me would be, um, I'd put him against Dominic Reyes. Um, Actually, I like that. that's smart. I think we got Jan Blockwitz possibly getting the next title shot. You got another Bizarre young guy, uh, Johnny Walker, coming up uh, whenever he recovers from busting his shoulder from doing the worm, uh, as it was. A young, athletic, explosive guy. Um, so I think he's ahead of the line in terms of the exciting prospects. But Dominic Reyes is a guy who's kind of undefeated at light heavyweight, but he hasn't really impressed me, right? He's a guy who's pretty solid at everything, but doesn't quite have that, like, he doesn't quite have the striking to consistently knock guys out. He's not quite the submission specialist to tap guys out. He's not quite the grappler to really smotheringly dominate guys. He's kind of just pretty good across the board. So Glover is that good test to see, like, is that guy for real? You know, like, Johnny Walker's got flashy stuff, right? He's got our attention. Um, he has, like, the big spectacular flying knees and all that. The, you know, giant heavy kicks. But Dominic is one of those solid B, B, B-plus type guys, so... Um, if he can get past like a, a seasoned veteran grinder like Glover, then I think, you know, that's worthy of him getting into that top five picture. Yeah, Steph, I actually think that is a great matchup. Tweet that to Dana White or who who the fuck makes their uh, fight picks anymore. So Shelby, Shelby, the dude making the calls. Um, and that's actually really good. I was thinking uh, Johnny Walker did pop into my head because I'm just trying to think of like, I want fresh matchups. You know, what I mean, Glover's pushing forty, and it's kind of tough to say like, oh yeah, he has to fight Dominic Reyes, who's probably like what in his late twenties, early thirties, or uh, Johnny Walker. It, it's just I want to see fresh matchups. And I think that is a good test for Dominic Reyes to really see if he's going to be able to hang in here with the top contenders and, and go for that belt. You have to be able to beat guys like Glover. So I think that is actually a really good matchup. Speaking of a really weird, bad matchup we saw, uh, Todd Duffy returned after, what, seven years or something ridiculous like that? Uh, coming up against Jeff Hughes, and this was kind of an exciting fight for the four minutes it lasted, but I think while me and Stefan were watching this fight, <laughs> I wasn't too surprised with the outcome when the accidental eye poke came in. Uh, Todd Duffy was kind of on the bad end of a beating. He had, he had two cuts at this point. 
Um, right before the eye poke, he did land one good solid punch on Jeff Hughes, which it kind of seemed like maybe he could turn the tables, but this fight was not going his way. Um, it seemed, and Steph, we kind of talked about this while we were watching the fight, um, and Mike, Seems I'll like get your opinion. I'll get your opinion on Todd Duffy after, but it definitely felt like to me that he was looking for a way out. Is that kind of how you kind of saw it too? Uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, like, because one of the interesting things that I was kind of looking for after this fight was Todd Duffy say anything? Did, did a medical report come out? Because on the one hand, and I know Cormier was the same way, I think, who was it Cormier who was on the call? He was, yeah. Yeah, it, I think he was saying something like, look, man, I don't know what a, a guy in the cage is feeling. You know, like, I'm not there, but like, and it was true. They had no conclusive, like, video evidence of the eye poke. That, like, it looked like the thumb may have grazed at one point, but then you see her, he, he clearly pushes off, but his fingers aren't, like, in thing. And, like, there was nothing visible. He kept saying, he just kept saying he's seeing double, which is a verbal right. tap out, essentially. Yeah. Um, and, and just to, to, to build on that point, what the, what the doctor should have ultimately said, and I didn't really hear him say this, is you, you kind of have to put the fighter on blast and kind of be like, do you want to continue to fight or not? Because they kind of just ask, like, okay, how's your eye? Are you seeing okay? And like like you said, Stefan, and a lot of times he wouldn't respond, right? They're kind of asking questions. He would kind of just have this glazed look in his eye. And then when he did, did respond, he was just like, I'm seeing double. He didn't say, I can't see out of my eye. He didn't say, I want to keep fighting. He just kind of said, I'm seeing double. And he basically just made the doctor make that decision for him that he could not fight. Um, And ultimately, it was really disappointing. But, Mike, how do you feel about this fight? Now, now we're kind of playing matchmaker, not just in UFC, but overall. We had this fight with Todd Duffy. I don't think you saw last week's or two weeks ago, Ryan Bader versus Czech Congo. Very similar situation happened. How do you feel about a Czech Congo Todd Duffy fight? Because <laughs> one of these guys is going to find a way out of it. <laughs> a uh, a Bellator UFC uh, crossover super fight between. Well, two I don't think Dana is too interested in Todd Duffy business anymore. I don't understand how he got back into the UFC in the first place. I think Dana was like, um, "Is he still as jacked as he was before? Put that boy in a cage." No, I think I think even as a joke, I I, I don't want to see Todd Duffy fight. I don't want to see Czech Congo fight. Uh, maybe there's a never back down three. I'll be interested in seeing Todd Duffy again. Um, yeah, a uh, good riddance. Yeah, uh, fair fair point. And all joking aside, we all love the guys that get in the cage. It takes a tremendous amount of balls. Uh, and, and like Cormier said, you know, we don't really know. Dude's eye could be completely fucked. It didn't seem that way outside looking in. I'm not going to pass judgment. You get in there and you're going to throw blows with someone. You get my respect. But we also run a MMA podcast. I'm going to talk some shit when the opportunity arises. I, I think what we said, Mark, uh, you know, keeping it on this Vegas uh, theme was it wouldn't have been the betting favorite that this fight ends in no contest. But if you saw it on the line... You'd think about it. You'd, You'd be think like, about it. Yeah, realistically, I could see this. Something fight. weird's going down. It's Duffy Town, like, baby. Um, let's just keep on rolling with this main card. Uh, this was probably the local highlight fight of the night for sure. We had Tris Tristan Connolly and Michael Pereira. Um, and Pereira, I guess, did, do you guys remember, did he come off the Dana White show? Was that how he got into here? I'm trying to remember exactly. Either way, he had a UFC debut that was pretty spectacular. Dude likes to showboat and dance around, uh, his first fight in. He won with a flying knee. Coming into this fight, uh, Con Connelly uh, was a Vancouver boy, uh, and the crowd was 
The crowd was actually really good. The Vancouver crowd was on point, and they were totally behind this very plain-looking white boy who came out there uh, against a very charismatic uh Pereira, who not only was he dancing coming into the cage, Mike, I don't know if you saw any of this. Mike, did you get to see the entrance or anything? Okay, Mike's shaking his head no. He walks out. They do a full stop the walkout. Me and my homeboys, we got a dance to show you. Dance recital. They do their little jig dance, probably for like a good 20 seconds. It's like, all right. And it's what I like about the little chemistry with the corner. One corner man obviously taught this dude that dance. Other corner man, not that much into it, but he knows it he's trying to do it so they they walk down they do the dance very cute nice 20 paces later they stop and they do the fucking dance again mike i'm like all right let's let's get this shit on the road um <laughs> dancing didn't stop I think, there yeah, I go think ahead. cormier said it was a six minute walkout it's like, six minute walkout. like this guy opening the main card is taking a six minute walk and i think at this point great time to to mention uh Pereira did not make weight uh he was a pound over which kind of makes all this showboating really tasteless you know just really not a great look it's like look you can dance and have fun and be the personality but when you're not the professional to make the weight the, the fun's got to stop you got to show me that you deserve to be here and uh he continues to show us that he did not deserve to be in the ufc uh he did a lot of mike you might want to watch just the first three minutes of this fight dude was doing back literally in the fight doing a backflip trying to kick this uh Kanye guy in the head you have to give it you have to give credit to tristan uh tristan who didn't didn't buy in, into any of it he just backed the fuck away and just let him kind of waste his energy doing all these spins and crazy shit and uh ultimately tristan just played a very solid game uh really was the better grappler in this fight and once Pereira kind of blew his wad doing his crazy antics, he took over this fight. He got him down consistently, was a much better uh, grappler on the ground. Me and Stefan mentioned, we both mentioned this independently, that we knew, you could tell that Connelly did not have the strength to be able to submit this man. He knew the techniques. He he threatened with a lot of arm bars and kimuras and triangles. You know, he was very active on top and on bottom. You can just tell, like, this guy is not going to... Like, this other guy has the explosive athleticism that when he feels that kimura to come on, he's going to be able to power out of it. So, um, while Connelly um, was not able to finish the fight, this was a huge win for him. I mean, the other guy was obviously the favorite, was showboating and dancing uh, around. Like, minus 500? I think he Something was the crazy like that. Card. And I think, Stefan, like you mentioned... Um, Pereira, who is not going to be fighting at welterweight anymore, he said after this fight he's moving up to welterweight. I think or middleweight. Con middleweight. I think Connelly actually fights at fifty-five, so he was moving up because he was a uh, a late replacement, uh, and this was a huge win for him. And you know, not only was he the, the massive underdog, uh, he was the hometown favorite. And I, I liked what he said after the fight. You know, I'm not big on the post-fight <laughs> interviews. But, I, I gave him shit for the post-fight. Well, I mean, mostly I felt I mean, I mean, felt bad because it kind of seemed like DC was giving him shit. Like, he was, DC basically said, like, dude, this is the best moment of your life ever, now, or in the future. How does it feel? And he was like, dude, I'm just getting started, man. Like, I, this is my first fight. Believe me, I got a lot more left in the tank. I, you know, I don't want to be super hypocritical, especially if he's moving up to, to welterweight. 
Um, it didn't seem at first glance that he really had a skill set that's really going to blow the world away. He seemed like maybe a journeyman at best. And hey, you know what? We've seen a lot of fighters improve, and this could just be the first stepping stone to a really great fighter. Um, but he definitely he didn't show a lot that I was super impressed with. What I did like was his composure, right? He didn't get caught in the moment. He didn't play into this guy's games of spinning around and doing all the showboating. He had a singular goal in mind, which was to win this fight, and he did it really well. He he got some 10-8s on that last round where he basically dominated the grappling exchange. So, uh, Mike, I do recommend uh, watch this dude's entrance, and when you see him getting tired, just know the, the white dude takes over and basically wins that fight. A uh, good performance by him, and you know, it, it, it's put him on the map. This was easily the fight on this main card where I was like, I don't care, I don't know who either of these guys are, and I don't care. Um, and now we're talking about it, so that's ultimately what you want. Um, the next Mike, fight, we've thrown out this comparison real quick, but just to give you a picture, this man is literally Eddie Gordo in the cage. He he does capoeira shit. He's throwing he, he the arms. Like- he did a handspring to a backflip, and it wasn't even an attack. He just did it. He just like, I'm going to flip towards you. There's no kick involved, oh. but I'm going to flip towards and you. And he did a backflip when the guy was on the ground, too. Remember, like, what was he? What, the, what was the ultimate goal here? That Like, he's going to stomp I, on his chest? I, ulti- I think the ultimate goal was to just tell, you know, Anthony Pettis, oh, you thought your little ninja shit was good? Yo, watch this. What If I hit this goddamn moonsault, <laughs> like, you're, you're fucked. Yeah. He was basically going for moonsaults the whole time. <laughs> a lot of flash, not a lot of substance. The next fight we did break down uh, pretty much earlier on, but Uriah Hall squeaked away a decision that I would say was very controversial. Um, I think the first two rounds were pretty close. Uh, the third was all uh, Carlos Jr., who basically um, had back control the whole time. Didn't do a ton with it. But he had that. He basically uh, stopped Uriah Hall from doing anything. And those first two rounds were really close. Uriah Hall cracked carlos jr's nose in the first round busted him up real good uh but carlos had some good grappling exchanges and got him down as well Uh, those first two rounds were super close honestly i kind of thought carlos jr was gonna get the nod here just because that that third round was was solidly his and i figured those first two rounds were really close a couple judges gonna give him the second or something or maybe even the first um ultimately uriah hall got a win here um it was a tough performance by him and i don't know about you guys uh where do you see Uriah Hall? Uh, at points, he looks great, but he really isn't getting those big wins he needs to, and especially not in the way that we thought he was going to be able to, um, you know, in the past. So, uh, Michael, I'll throw it to you. I mean, what do you think Uriah Hall is going to go? Is he forever journeyman, or can he make some adjustments? No, he's forever a journeyman. He is about 35, 36 years old at this point. Um, he's outside of that one match where um, he became the inaugural plum pick uh, against uh, Gegard Musasi, He's never really shown an ability to be consistent and put his prodigious skills at to consistent use. Uh, back when he was on the Ultimate Fighter, we all thought, man, this is a guy can, that can really do something in the division. Looked like a killer. But he has always, yeah, he, he, he's looked like a killer. It looked like he literally killed Adam Sella in that fight i haven't heard from that but, guy in a while so i don't know if he didn't kill him yeah i mean i think i think he fought in the ufc but... <laughs> he did he, i'm sure he's fine i'm sure he's happy out there doing whatever but he he's never been able to there. he's never been able to put it all together and if he hasn't done it at this point he's not going to yep I agree. Um, just to round up this card, I mean, Steph, I don't think you caught much of this. 
we were kind of we, I was I was hanging out with Steph for this card. We were uh, getting some food set up. Uh, Misha Krykonov beating Jimmy Crute. He got him with a Peruvian necktie, which just seems like the most like vicious, violent submission. Because uh, I think that's literally Peruvian neckties are like when you murder someone, right, and like rip their tongue Peruvian out their throat. Peruvian necktie is yeah is the taking the tongue out i don't know how this submission equates to that violent horrible act of murder but sure he got him with one of those um and you know three minutes and 38 seconds in the first round great win for him uh you know i don't know has him has he and glover fought that could be a fight they could do i i I like your dominic reyes but maybe they could because you know what i like about this they're on the same time schedule right they both fought on this card hypothetically they should be ready around the same time yeah, I mean, they're, they're both they're both grapplers. Uh, the only reason I threw Dominic Reyes out is because he beat Sirkinov. Sirkinov just kind of took a he was Good in point. that pack of kind of the new blood at light heavyweight, yes. but unfortunately he had a couple setbacks there, so he kind of moved to the back of the line. So that's just why I didn't think of him. But yeah, sure, why not? For sure. Uh, yeah, the rest of the card I uh, didn't watch any of it. I will note that uh, Louis Smoka, uh, one of me and Steph's faves, did get another win here at TKO. Um, first round, four minutes and 43 seconds against Ryle, Ryan McDonald, who I don't know who the hell that is, but hey, good job, Louis Smoka. I don't, know, I don't know if I still like him. He, Louis Smoka is the one who, after the BJ Penn story, was like, well, that it, it's like that in Hawaii sometimes. It just be like that sometimes. It just, I, <laughs> like, Steph, we know that. It'd be like table. that. Sometimes you have to fight fat, bald guys. It's like Final Fight in Hawaii, okay? You walk down the street, and sometimes you got to fight some random people, and you punch a garbage pan, garbage can, there's a turkey you can eat and get your health back. That being said, let's move on to the news. We don't have a ton this week. In fact, uh, Mike gave me the one little news goblet that I didn't even hear of. I guess Anthony Pettis is really hunkering for a fight with Diego Sanchez. That's a weird call out for Anthony Pettis. But Mike, why don't you break us down what you heard about that? Well, yeah, you know, while I was uh, pulling up the uh, the various, uh, you know, cards that we're, we were going to discuss today, you know, the card that just happened this past Saturday and, you know, next week's card, I saw a little news article just talking about that, you know, Aunt Pretty Tony Pettis, a.k.a. Anthony Pettis, he's uh, in good spirits since his loss to, to Nate Diaz and him and Duke Rufus, they've been talking about who they think their next opponent should be. You know what? They just fought Nate Diaz. Pretty Tony had been on a pretty good run. You would think, you know, he's top five guy, most likely, right? Yeah, sure. Would make sense. Would make sense. So, of course, I think he's eyeing to fight Diego Sanchez. Tough one winner, Diego Sanchez. You know, it's not the fight I thought he would call out because, like you said, he's high on the call list. You think he's calling out the Gaethje's of the world. Uh, you know, the, the guys in the top 10. I, What I do think that makes sense is I think he could beat Diego Sanchez. And maybe he's like, you know what? I need to get a nice solid win. Diego still has a name. For some reason, he's still fighting. Let's see if we make that happen. I think it's a weird call out. I don't know if there's any history there or something, but it wouldn't be the worst fight in the world. I do think it's a step down and it's weird that pettis is making that request i would have thought diego would be the one to be on twitter and be like let me get at pettis now that he lost that fight he's more in my range potentially um yeah very weird call out i and not something i did not hear about so it didn't really make my news real because you know I'm, I'm looking for those hot fights not people calling out old fighters trying to get easy w's 
Um, Bobby mentioned this in chat, and I think it would do us a better service to really break it down next week. But just to get just to give you guys a tease of you know one of the big news stories that we'll probably be hearing more about um, as potentially more information becomes available. But Bobby did tell us that the Endeavor Group Holdings, which owns the WME Talent Agency, which owns the UFC, um, is preparing to go public this fall. Um, so that potentially could have ramifications mostly with the holding company making a shit ton of money. We'll have to really break this down with Bobby. I'm sure he's got some hot, hot takes on how this may potentially benefit or hurt the UFC. Honestly, I think, you know, I don't know how much all of our combined knowledge of going public goes, but I know Stefan works for a company that went public. Mike works in banking, so that has to do with money. So, right? Something, right? Give me a nod, Mike, right? Something along those lines. Yes, you are correct. Ah, good. Banking Finance. involves money. Yes, money. And this is about making potentially more money by saying public, please give me money so I can make money for you. Um, honestly, I don't know how this is really going to affect the fighters. My one thing that I thought of was like, oh, hey, maybe these guys will get like stock options, you know? Wouldn't that be a grand thing to throw in a, in a contract? Um, but everyone's very skeptical. You get it. You, you got to see the look on Mike's fake so much smug matter of factness. That's never going to happen. Why would they ever give, you know, their contractors who may soon be employees if they ever come back to California, um, a stake in their company. Uh, but honestly, this is something that I remember Connor made a big huff and puff about when, uh, they first, the UFC first got bought out was like, Oh, great. I would love to have some investment in this company i would love to have some shares or something they weren't public then they're potentially going to become public now so i don't know how that's going to um all way out if you guys have any hot takes right now before we really break into it next week uh you can give those here otherwise let's move on to this next card uh i'm a broach on it in the stuff i like this week so we'll, we'll oh teaser all right well I i'm gonna say you're delusional if you think the ufc is going to be giving out free money Oh, I'm going to the cuckoo nest. Uh, I actually don't. I don't think they will. I like to, you know, you got to play devil's advocate here, Mike, as host. I'm sure you know. I have to raise the questions to get the conversation going, even though I know it's a bunch of bullshit. Um, yeah. You know, uh, shout outs to Bloody Elbow, because oddly, of all these websites nowadays, they're actually still running some legit journalists out there. Um, I'm blanking on the uh, author of the title. I'm going to pull up the page just to give him credit. But uh, there was an article that came out um, since all of the financials have come unsealed. For the UFC, um, he made a report over the last few years talking about like as the UFC made more money and they're saying like, you know, fighters got increasingly paid. Um, but the numbers now that they're unsealed will actually show you, even though there was giant leaps in money, television revenue, etc. From 2012 to 2018, essentially top fighters, nothing changed for them. Top fighters still got paid the same amount they were getting paid seven years ago. Low end fighters were still making as little as they were seven years ago. Nothing changed with the uniform deal. Nothing changed with the TV rights and the Fox deal and the ESPN deal. It was all the same. So money came in. Fighter payouts did not change. So here's to, uh, you know, wishing the fighters the best if they go public. Yeah. And, and maybe that's something that we'll probably I'm sure Bobby will want to discuss because if they go public, I think their earnings have to be more widely available right like they ufc didn't have to disclose how much they were paying their contractors before because they weren't a public traded company i'm not totally sure we'll we'll probably get into that next week but it would seem if they're public they might have to disclose how much revenue they're making how much they're paying they, the employees 
They indeed would, Mark, because as a publicly traded company, it would be incumbent on them to every year file what's called an annual report, which would be saying their their you know liabilities and their revenues. Bam! Look at that financial information coming through from Mike. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, no, I agree. I, think I work at a bank. I know, right? I wasn't wrong. I was pretty sure he worked at a bank, but my wife, Christine, also works at a bank. I'm like, I just, am I getting those wires crossed? And Mike works for like some weird tech company I don't understand. Um, but no, uh, I think there's a lot of interesting ramifications that could potentially come out of this. And I'm sure Bobby has a lot of hot takes. He really wants to dig into this. So I don't want to get too deep into it uh, because I think there's a lot of interesting stuff that could come out of this. But, you know, why spend too much time thinking about the hypothetical when we could still think about the hypothetical but it's going to happen much sooner we have a fight card coming up this week on saturday this is another espn plus card i don't know about you guys i love espn plus because i can watch these fights at my leisure i don't have to catch it live i can watch it on demand very convenient for me um and this card honestly it's not that bad there's some good fights on here there's a lot of fights i'm not interested in we're just going to be breaking down the main event and co main event for our picks this week uh but we'll all I'll let you know a couple other fights to kind of keep an eye out for. But uh, our main event for this fight is uh, Yair Rodriguez versus Jeremy Stevens. Yair probably made the biggest splash of his career with that fantastic, I don't even know what you call it, bending over up elbow um, on Korean Zombie. What a spectacular hurt fight that was. It, it, it hurt us all, you know. And <laughs> I, I hate to mention it, but just the way Korean Zombie went down, I, I, it makes I me know. laugh. I love him, even, but it makes me laugh. Even when they were showing the highlight when we were watching it to kind of promote it, I like just had like a sadness in my heart. Like, oh man, like it felt like a per- it felt like seeing your close personal friend get knocked the fuck out in embarrassing fashion. It, it doesn't help it, it, that it just- they they with the highlight video they edit it to the beat of the song where he's getting. I was like boom 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 boom, and it's like they just keep cutting to that elbow. It's like okay, now you're really making a spectacular show out of this. Fantastic fight for him. You can't take that away from him. Jeremy Stevens has also just been tearing it up at featherweight. Um, this is a really dynamite main event and kind of a tough one to pick. Um, Steph or Mike, do you guys have the odds on this one by chance? I do. Uh, um, yeah, this is an even fight. It is minus 110 to minus 110. They won't give you even money on either of them. Do it, doing the double favorite. I hate it when Vegas does that. But um, as to say, the uh, odds makers, they don't know either in this one. So, Steph, you already got the mic. Who are you picking? Oh, this is tough. It's like I, it's it's for the betting line. It's so easy to talk yourself into either guy. Um, Jeremy Stevens is a tough, no nonsense dude. He's fought flashy guys before, and he kind of cuts through it and just hits him with the power. Um, I think Yair. He came in as a bit of a super prospect. He got humbled in a couple fights. Um, still a little wild, you know. Uh, very showy. Can tend to gas himself out with big techniques but he's just so much faster i gotta believe you know he wants to be even but he was fucking losing that zombie fight he was on the way to a loss till he got that up elbow so it's just um kind of like another guy we just talked about uriah hall not to his extent he's a little inconsistent um uh it's tough it's really tough for me they're in mexico I got to believe the home crowd gives the boy a lift and all things equal. But man, I could also see Jeremy Stevens just knocking the fuck out to a silent arena. So um, I'll take Yair, but I don't feel great about it. Oh, very good. Um, Yeah, good thing to note there, Steph. This is in Mexico City. We have to remember the elevation, the lack of oxygen. 
uh, like we mentioned a few weeks ago, um, this is a location that can, you know, actually affect the fight. You know, they're in an environment that potentially could harm people's stamina. Um, you probably need to factor that in when you're taking your picks. But Mike, who do you got? I actually did factor that in. So my picks, uh, Jeremy Stevens is a short, kind of stockier, more muscly kind of guy for this division. So I'm going to go with the adage that he would likely tire out much quicker than Yair Rodriguez in this high altitude. So if Yair can just, you know, survive past the first round, I think it'll be his playground the rest of the four rounds. So I'm going to go with uh, Yair Rodriguez. And just to put a little panache on this, I will go with a TKO in the fourth round. Oh, whoa, getting specific. That's what I used to do, Mike. That used to be my gimmick. I get very specific what the submission's going to be in the second because you know when you nail it, it's going to be so, so sweet. Um, yeah, I'm going with uh, Yair, too. Uh, I think it's a sweep across the board. Uh, Bobby also picked Yair. Um, it is tough. He is coming off that zombie win, which has been a while now. So he's, he's actually taking a little bit of a layoff. I'm not sure if he got injured or just taking some extra time. Um, I think a lot of your points that you guys made um, – I actually agree with a lot. I think uh, Rodriguez is just a little bit more dynamic. I also like this is a five-round fight. Um, we saw in the Korean Zombie fight, like Stefan said, he was losing that fight. He was getting it was it was it was it was a competitive fight, but he was definitely losing. He was getting some shots in. He didn't give up, and he pulled out you know the rabbit from the hat in the last round. Um, you have to give credit to a fighter like that. Um, I think he has a pretty good shot, but Jeremy Stevens is is a tough out for anybody. And uh, that's going to be a really tough fight and a really good one, too. I think we, you know, we have the makings of something really special there. Uh, Co-main event, I'm actually really excited about. My girl, Carla Esparza, um, winner of tough whatever fucking season that was, 20. I think it was 20. It was some even number. I think it was 20. Shit. Did I nail that? Um, is going against <laughs> Stefan's girl, uh, Alexa Grasso. Another really fun matchup. I think this has a really interesting um, stylistic matchup. I'm gonna go ahead and pick because um, I think I'm gonna be the outlier here. Um, I'm gonna go with Carla. I think really when you're when you're breaking down this fight, it's can Carla get in and get the takedown and wrestle? Because um, if she can't, I think Alexa Grasso, especially if she's letting her hands go, is really gonna have an advantage there. We've seen a lot of Carla Esparza fights where she gets kind of beaten standing up, but we've also seen her where you know she's gotten better with a right straight. She has that one punch in her back pocket, which we saw her utilize fairly well in her other fights. I do think this is a large wrestling matchup for her. If Carla can get the wrestling game on, tire Alexa out, that's going to be her best avenue. If Alexa can stop those takedowns, uh, circle out the cage, and utilize the jab in her boxing, I think this could be a really tough night for Carla, much like when she fought um, former Joanna Champion. Uh, so... I'm going with Carla. Steph, I kind of already know who you're going with, but why don't you give us your breakdown? Yeah, it's like, uh, since you put it as the my girl versus uh, your girl why deal, not? it feels like we should bet something. It feels like Ooh. we should bet something. I don't got it. Nothing comes to mind right now. If only this but, producer um, of this podcast we'll, get, did more, you know, producing, we could have come up with something, but nah. We'll, we'll think about it. If anything fun comes up, we'll uh, we'll tweet the world. Hey, keep going if back Mark, to itsamazing.com. If Mark com. wins, how about this? If Mark wins... Steph, you have to grow a beard like Mark. Oh, I like Steph this. Steph wins. You have to dye your hair like Steph has. <laughs> That's new. So Steph, gotta, I just saw uh, you on the weekend. This is a new dye job, right? Am I crazy? Yeah, you got to get uh, K-pop highlights like oh, me. Oh, boy. Um, I mean, Mike, Mike wouldn't know, but Mike, I, I physically cannot grow the beard, so this is an impossible bet. Um, you have yeah. to try. <laughs> so it's like, No shaving for two months. Let's see what happens. <laughs> just see, see, we'll see what you end up with. Um, We'll see. Uh, yeah, no. Um, 
the way I see this fight going is um, Alexa, her her bread and butter is sprawl and brawl. Um, she has good takedown defense. She has good defensive technique, and she's got great like kind of technical classic boxing. Um, comes from a boxing lineage in Mexico. Uh, not a lot of surprise. Um, you know, I've been following her since her Invicta days where she looked like an uber prospect. She came into the UFC undefeated, um, but she definitely started very young. She was very young in the UFC. Um, she's one of the handful of fighters I follow on Instagram. Um, and one thing I can say about her is this girl is always training. She is always training. She's not just, you know, posting like photos of her travels. She's a very beautiful girl, but it's not just a bunch of posts of her being pretty. It's her in the gym. It's her working. Um, and one thing I have seen in her run in the UFC, she's getting a lot stronger. Um, and she's going to be a lot bigger than Carla. Carla is five feet tall. Uh, Alexa Grasso is kind of tall for the division at five six. Like, if you put her youth, strength, and speed against Carla, you know, the older you get, the wrestling doesn't always get easier. The takedown attempts become a little bit more futile. Uh, but maybe, maybe she has the cardio to go in Mexico if, if she can definitely get it down. Um, that wrestling will become an advantage again, where the oxygen is thinner, where, uh, the fatigue sets in a little bit faster, but all the same, if Alexa stuffs a couple, Carla could exhaust out real quick and suddenly realize she's like fighting an uphill battle. And Steph, do you have the line on this one? I mean, we were already dug in, so we knew who we were going to pick, but maybe Mike would like to know what the odds makers think. I mean, it's pretty close. It's ultimately a coin toss. Uh, Alexa Grasso is the slight favorite at minus 20, and Carlos Spars is coming in at even uh, even money, plus 100, yeah, minus I 100. Think, I think that's it. fair. So, Mike, given that, you got two arguments, two sides of the coin, and what the betmakers are saying. Who are you going with? Those are two very compelling arguments that you two have made. Uh, normally, when it's a coin flip matchup, I normally go with, uh, you know, younger faster and stronger so i was leaning million dollar man strategy (laughs) yeah pretty much uh so i was leaning towards grasso anyway and at this point it is mid-september i am up by one game uh i am not going down on a lib on this fucking fight so sure picking grasso funny how the brashness has come down over recent months like yeah, so oh, yeah, I it to what gave lead down. What he doesn't realize is I'm nipping on your everyone's heels because we're all like within two of each other. It's gotten pretty yeah, we are. K- kind of pathetic how close it is. It should, uh, there should to, be a little more variance. A, but... To give an update, let's get a standings. rankings update, Mike. Um, I'm in first at 47 and 35. Uh, Doctor Law and Kid Presentable are nipping at my heels at 46 and 36. And DJ Mark has slowly made a ground over the last two months. He is now just two wins back at 45 and 37. And I could be getting one here if my girl Carla does it for me. Or I could slip further and further from the pack. Mike, is the worst scenario that there's a three-way tie for first between Mark, me, and Bobby, and you're on the outside <laughs> looking in? No, the worst is just that I don't win this year. doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. Everyone else does win. <laughs> Uh, well, it is a really close fight. I, I think that betting line, um, and I expected to be the outsider on this one. Um, Alexa Grosso's looked really good. Her last fight, she she beat um, uh, Carolina Cole Kankovich. <laughs> Did I say that even closely right? No. But she won, and that's the important thing. Um, yeah, the rest of the card, like I mentioned before, is not too bad. There is a couple fights on here that I'm actually very curious in. Um, Sergio Pettis is going to go up against Tyson Nam. 
Um, Tyson Nam, if you're a hardcore MMA person, that one might ring a bell. He actually beat the Bellator champion when he wasn't in Bellator. It was like a non-title fight in like Shuto Brazil. And I can't remember who the fucking champion was, but he was good. Just have that be known that Tyson Nam won a fight against Is it Eduardo Dantas? Yes. Good pull, Steph. Um, yeah, so that was one I was thinking about maybe we would pick, but let's just keep it simple with these top two. Um, and Alexa Grasso's training partner, Irene Aldana, um, also has a fight as well. So those are two other fights I'm really looking forward to. Um, uh, there's one other interesting one. You can talk I about like, Eubanks? Um, yeah, Sajari Eubanks. Uh, if you're not familiar, she was supposed to fight for that, um, what is it called? Flyweight title? Women's flyweight? Yeah, I think it was flyweight. Um, God, it's hard to yeah, remember. Yeah, she was supposed to, but uh, she, she, w- she went on a run on that tough season. Uh, which was going to lead to the crowning of that new division. Um, unfortunately, I believe she got injured and uh, Roxanne Modafari stepped in to her place, lost the match. Uh, Nico Montano won the belt. Drama, drama, drama. It's Valentina's division for the rest of eternity. Um, but yeah, Sajara Eubanks, she you know had a, she had one of those like kind of 50-53 and 3 records entering tough, but uh, her hands really starting to come together. And if there's anything I know about Betch Correa is uh, she will get hit a lot. She'll she'll try to punch you back, but she will take she'll take seven to give one. So um, that could be a fun fight. Yeah, that could be a good one. Um, and then we also have our girl Angela Hill is fighting a female MA fighter who does not have a wiki, Wikipedia page, which I think is a good sign. I think Angela Hill has gone a really tough draw throughout her UFC career, just just fighting like the top of the top and just not quite getting there so really interested to see how uh she looks in this fight um paul craig also has a fight at light heavyweight um yeah so it's not a bad card overall there's definitely some stuff to look out for like i mentioned before this one's on espn plus so if you're paying disney those disney bucks and getting that subscription you can watch that as your leisure um as it's going to air on saturday um for mexico city so boys i think that kind of ends our mma talk for the week we did a great job now we can kick off our shoes and just talk about stuff we like. So, Mike, why don't you lead us off and tell me about some new anime or CW show or whatever has been getting you happy and going this past week? Okay. Uh, I mean, I kind of feel like I should feel offended, but I'm actually not. So I actually do have two things this week. The first one, it's an anime called Death Parade. Um, it's an, it's, it's a really weird anime in that, well, why, why are you smiling, Mark? Because I nailed it, dude. I I called you out like a motherfucker. I was like, tell me about your anime. And you're like, I got a new hot anime for you. So Death Parade. I I never heard about this. I do want to hear about it. Lay it on me. I'd never heard about it as well. What started to become a very common thing in my life is that my girlfriend tells me about some weird anime that I've never heard about. I think, what the hell is this? And then I watch and I'm like, oh, wow, I actually dig it. This is actually pretty good. So the premise of this anime is that um, it's centered around the people that essentially they work in purgatory or whatever the Japanese call purgatory. For those of you that don't know what purgatory is, that is the place very simply between heaven and hell, except in this case, well it's not heaven and hell it's more the place in between where they decide whether you lived a good life or had a good heart um for your soul and you your soul becomes reincarnated into another body or if basically you were a piece of shit and your your soul goes into what's called the void and gets destroyed forever and the key here is that 
this per- people only go to this purgatory when they die in pairs. So, for example, the first episode it cons- it consisted of a newlywed couple that they got into a car crash. And the way that it's determined whether you're a good person or a bad person is that when you get there, you don't know you're dead yet. It just looks like you're in a bar. Um, and the the barkeep, he tells you, all right, well, you can't leave until you play a game. After you play the game, you'll be allowed to leave. And it's a bunch of different, basically, like, bar games where uh, so far it's been darts where um, each person has seven darts, for example. And the point of the game is that you have to get you have to have a lower score than the other person but the twist is that on your board each corresponding number um corresponds with a body part of the other person so if you hit them in a certain part that's supposed to be like the heart their heart actually gets hurt and these games are supposed to show like the darkness in someone's heart and if they have any type of darkness whoop, they're going right into the void it's it's a very intellectual and cerebral type <laughs> of, of anime this isn't your this isn't your dragon ball z type of anime so if you're expecting something like that you're going to be sorely disappointed but if you want a nice change of pace anime this is definitely the, the anime for you so death parade and the other Mike, stuff- i gotta say about that um yeah. as you were just breaking that whole thing down the only thing going through my head is there were so many specific steps caveats and qualifiers to each successive statement but i'm like that's kind of anime in a nutshell right it's just yeah, the most hyper specific premise possible where it's not just a high school student it's a one who does this 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 also but then wait it's actually this and this i think it's very funny that it's like okay they they believe in reincarnation i'm following purgatory this all seems interesting i like it's like you only get reincarnated if you're a good person but it's like well why are there so many fucking assholes out there that if these are all the best people that went through purgatory and got reincarnated why are they such a dickwad in this life um but it seems really cool. You know, and I, I, I do, I love getting, I, I know I kind of tease you about picking anime shows and CW and whatever, but no, I mean, I, I love it because I, I don't really keep my finger on the pulse on anime, uh, but you know, I, I kind of, I hear stuff here and there. I didn't, I, I heard about Dr. Stone before. I had no idea what it was about until you kind of enlightened me last week. I never heard about Death Parade before. So is this a, is this one of the new animes that is new for the fall or is this something that has a couple seasons in it? I think it's been out for I think it's been out since about 2015. Okay, they got um, a couple seasons under their belt. Is it done? My girlfriend is the is the. I think so. Um, when it comes to with everything else, she is perfect. But the one flaw she has is that she doesn't like watching anime in subtitles. Well, she likes the um, dub. She is a dubbed girl, <laughs> and uh, for that reason. For that reason, she only likes to go to the, the Funimation site, which uh, I was going to ask where you're dubbed. watching it from. Yeah, so, yeah. So it, it, we couldn't find it anyplace else, and I think she just found it while she was just uh, surfing through different things. Um, after she stopped watching one anime, she found that one and just said, "Hey, check this one out." Uh, so Death Parade. Uh, the other thing I like this week it actually is involving combat sports in a certain way all right so i think it's very apt so for me this week uh besides death parade 
the uh, the other thing I like this week is a uh, is a person I like. And uh, let me Go tell you on. something. It's been a long time coming. I still remember watching the beginning of his journey back when I was a junior high student in the late nineties. Go on. He faced a lot of trials and tribulations on his road and tasted bitter defeat many times. Top sixteen in Kanto, top eight in Johto, Hoenn, and Unova regions, top four in Sinnoh, and falling just short in Kalos. Before finally, finally, after 1,082 episodes and 22 years, the most faint, the second most famous perennial 10 year old has finally realized his dream of becoming a Pokemon master. Now, a big shout out on, to Satoshi, aka Ash. Ketchum, I, I, I don't want to finally winning a Pokemon League championship over the weekend when he won the Alola League. I can't believe you did all that build up and you didn't say he finally became the very best. I was going to say it with you. I was so ready. Like he finally became Pokemon League champion. Um, I saw that too. I thought that was really weird. I gave up on Ash's journey so many years ago to think this little kid has been trying the last 15 years to get that region. Dude, I knocked that out in a hundred hours, probably less in Pokemon blue. Oh, what no, is this no, kid doing? No, wait, you shorted him seven years. The show's been on for 22 goddamn years. Okay. So I was only for 22. Okay. You know what the difference between uh, you and him, though, Mark, is uh, when you got a sweet, badass Squirtle, uh, you didn't say, go ahead, be a fireman. Uh, your Pidgey evolved to Pidgeotto. You're like, go ahead and lead that flock. You're, you got a sweet, awesome, psychic Butterfree. Nah, go go live in the forest. You Charizard, get setting, out of here. You keep setting all your best you, Pokemon free you got for no goddamn reason. Dragon, and you're like, nah, I'm good. You know, I'll stay with this little fucking rat, like fire rat, that whatever the hell he had for that season. And it, like you Mark. mentioned, Mike, it's been a long time. They, I, because I just, just today, it was like, oh yeah, Ash finally won. He saw a screenshot of the anime. Like they changed art styles because kid looks, kid looks rough now. I think he looked a lot better in '99 when I used to watch it than he looks today. He looks a little more like Western cartoon style. Ash, Ash looks like he got a pituitary problem. Yes, and he traveled to Alola. Yeah, so he didn't even get it in the league he started in. He had to go transfer out to another league because wasn't he indigo wasn't he indigo boy uh i think yeah, you weren't expecting that actually, pokemon knowledge were you mike you weren't ready indigo, for that shit he actually won the indigo league but the indigo was actually a what? filler for the anime so that one doesn't count oh god i thought i knew something and it turns out i didn't know anything mike do you have anything else was that gonna wrap it for this week now that's it. Uh, Death Parade and Ash Ketchum, after all these years, uh, finally winning championship. And if you guys were wondering why I said he's the second most famous perennial 10-year-old, Bart Simpson is number one. All right, fair enough. All right, weird, weird status to put those two in. Uh, Steph, what do you got this week? Um, this one's going to be a bit of a shout-out to Bobby, because I know he would have wanted to talk about it, too. Um, but you know, he and I bantered throughout the week. Um, and there's a nice simple phrase we're enjoying right now and that's California versus everybody. Um, I am not shy about my, uh, state superiority complex. Um, and you know, some stories this past week, uh, I think made it worthy of it. Uh, we passed the AB five bill. That's what Mark was alluding to. If UFC, when he said, uh, does the UFC want to keep doing business in California? Um, this was mostly spurred on by the tech industry, which is what I'm, uh, I w work in which is why I had such a finger on the pulse, but essentially it is cha challenging um, the contractor status in the state of California, um, especially contractors that work and are treated like employees in everything uh, but title. 
Um, and you know, if we all know what the contractor status is for, it's for companies to cut money. You don't have to provide a benefits package. You don't have to provide equity. You don't have to. Uh, you can give less uh, paid like sick day time off. Uh, in fact, contractors have to work a certain amount of time before they get any whatsoever. Um, they're not granted it from the start of the uh, calendar year the way a full time status employee does. Um, so how that's going to spill over to other industries which are abusing the contractor status remains to be seen. But um, hell, we're doing something. And in the same vein, uh, over on the sports side, California passed the Fair Pay to Play Act. Um, and this has been going on. This has been an age old debate of do college athletes that are generating billions in sports revenue for football and basketball. Do they deserve to at least get paid for their rights of likeness? Maybe they don't get a cut of like the TV money, but can't those jerseys bearing their numbers when they're on TV week to week, can't they get a little bit of slice of that? Um, that shit passed unanimously. Understand Very that nice. in 2019 politics, something passed unanimously, 72 to nothing. Just wrap your head around that. So um, I think that's a good sense of how our state feels upon the uh, college academic model. And um, yeah, I'm fucking proud of my state. I love that this is where I'm from. I know people in the South think we're the devil, devil heathen state, but fuck y'all too, you know? Um, I don't want to go there. I don't want to go where you guys are either. So um, really proud of my state and just kind of what's going on here. Um, you know, it's been the birthplace of a lot of great movements. I hope this carries uh, good things for, uh, you know, the working people of the world. Yeah, this could easily be a stepping stone, right? You know, California does it. Another state picks it up. They have the legis legislations already written out for how to do this. Um, this could just be the ball rolling down the hill, which would be really awesome. Um, we've talked about, you know, if you're a hardcore fan of our show, we've talked about independent contractors a lot in the MMA game, but it affects a lot of other fields where, you know, employees are just getting taken advantage of and it's pretty much just fucked up. Uh, so yeah, to see some of these things finally getting fixed, it's kind of what you'd hope the government would do is look at loopholes that are exploiting people and, you know, patch them up. Um, sadly, the system hardly ever works that way. But this is a nice example of, you know, things getting set right, at least as far as, you know, we understand it. So yeah, that's a really good shout out. Um, anything else, Steph? Or is that going to do it for you? Uh, I mean, I'll just mention it to throw it to you because I figured you'd talk about it. But um, man, if we got any listeners who like Final Fantasy VII, man, a lot of good content came out. A lot of good content to build that hype machine. Did and you end up I watching Max's stuff? Watch them. Yeah. Um, I'm fucking excited. It's not even my favorite one, but like, it's like I'm remembering as if it was, just because like every new sequence I see, like how they've reanimated, and people have been putting up screenshots comparing like what this looked like in the old version of like how they've really upped it, and man, um, it really makes me excited for when this drops. Yeah, um, this last week was Tokyo Game Show, um, where they showed, like uh, Stefan mentioned, they had a new Final Fantasy VII remake trailer, which was just mwah, beautiful, so cool, um, especially if uh, you watch people do reactions. We watched Maximilian's reaction, I just watched um, Bobby's Austin Creed, Xavier Woods reaction, and... Um, you know, as being part of that group of people that fucking loves Final Fantasy VII, very excited uh, for this remake, that trailer showed a lot of things that a lot of us were curious about, mostly the Wall Street section. Um, this is a section of the game where basically Cloud is trying to rescue Tifa. 
Tifa is trying to infiltrate the the slumlord Don Casano. I can't remember what Don's last name is, but he's just a he's a dirtbag, and he's trying to pick up skeezy ladies. And basically, you go through this whole mini game with Cloud, where you're getting a dress and a wig to cross dress to play as a woman to go in there and save Tifa. And it was definitely one of those things in '97 that was like. This game is rated for T, but they're talking about like kind of like prostitution and cross-dressing and transgender and lots of things that you wouldn't think this game would normally get into. There's like a sex club that Cloud goes into with a bunch of dudes and stuff, and weird stuff happens there. We don't really know exactly, I'm but pre- um, I'm pretty sure that got cut out from the game. Well, right, we don't know. We don't know. So far, it's been very fateful. Um, but yeah, j- just this last trailer just showed a lot of that stuff, and and. The one thing that got me, that got Max, that got Austin Creed, because it was one of the funnest parts in Final Fantasy VII. They have a little mini game where you have to out squat one of the guys at the gym to get the nice wig, and you see Cloud out squatting this like big, jacked pro wrestler guy trying to do squats. It's like, man, that's exactly that's a. You couldn't have done it better. I couldn't have envisioned it better than what they did, and and they kind of been doing that with everything. Every new little thing we see is like, man. That's even better than I would have thought they would have done it. Because I would have just done, just take the old game, upres the graphics, we're good to go. No, don't worry about it. But they have more insight for their game. They want to to do more with it. So yeah, I definitely recommend you guys check out that trailer. They also showed another boss where they actually show a lot of Tifa fighting and Eris. And I have to say, as somebody who's played a lot of Final Fantasy VII, I never really liked Eris as a combatant character because she just has a... Uh, rod she does a lot of magic but in this game she's doing these like twirly shit with her rod shooting magic missiles out i'm like fuck she looks kind of badass um so i'm really excited about final fantasy 7 but that's not really what i'm going to talk about this week um all the great stuff at tokyo game show um, i want to talk about the games that just came out uh borderlands 3 i mentioned last week came out on friday me and my wife christine have been basically just playing that um, there is a wealth of quality software out there right now like i mentioned last week there's just so much coming in each week uh but borderlands is really fun and honestly, a lot of the conversation around it is that it's more Borderlands. Like, if you like Borderlands 1 and 2, you'll like 3. But if you didn't, you probably won't. And I think that kind of gives it a negative connotation. Because as someone that I like Borderlands, I'm really enjoying 3. Um, I think there is some technical missteps that the game takes that needs to be accounted for and i think this is really important if you're planning to do local co-op with uh base uh, ps4 like me and christine have been doing it's pretty rough um if one of the other characters goes into a pause menu the other person's frame rate just basically plummets uh there's issues with the menu the game has a lot of little technical issues that if that stuff really bugs you that might make this game less enjoyable um for me that stuff doesn't really bug me it bugs me enough where I've kind of told Christine, like, you know what? When you can, maybe just play it not split screen to get the full get the full screen, see everything, not have the slowdown. That all being said, it is still incredibly fun. And even when me and Christine are playing co-op, because we'll play, me and Christine will play co-op, and then we'll go online and play with my brother-in-law, Sean, and our friend, Chris. So we have a four-person crew, and we're doing local co-op. So it's pushing the hardware pretty hard, and we're seven years out from when PS4 launched. So... You have to kind of put some of this stuff in perspective that this is really hard tech, old tech that's doing a lot of stuff at once. Um, And still at the end of the day, man, having a blast. Uh, Borderlands kind of created the loot, uh, looter shooter, as they call it, like your destinies and divisions. Um, But it has a very, I would say maybe like lowbrow, cartoonish sense of humor to it that I think for some people it kind of... It's not necessarily always laugh out loud funny. It's just kind of kooky and crazy. And I think if you're being really stringent on the comedy, you can point out a lot of things like, oh, this isn't funny. This is kind of old humor. But if you just kind of take it for what it is, 
it's just a really fun game. It's a great game to play with friends and just get weird, crazy guns. Like, what the fuck does this gun do? It's a shotgun that, okay, it loads actually grenade rounds into, and every time I reload it, I don't reload the gun. I throw it away, and it blows up like a grenade. There's so many variants on all the weapons do, and they're all just a lot to fun to shoot. The game visually, I think, looks really impressive with the cell shading. So, And there's a hardcore fan base for Borderlands, so I don't think I need to like shill or try to sell this game. Um, but if you haven't played a Borderlands game before, I totally recommend checking out Borderlands 3. It's really fun, especially if you have some people to play um, online. I think that's really where the game's at. I think if you're going to do this solo, it could still be enjoyable. I played some of the Borderlands solo, but it's a lot more fun with friends. Just like almost every game. Is there every other any, game is. I mean, being one of those guys, I've always heard about Borderlands. I've never gotten around to playing them. Is it, I, is it not sequential then where you can just hop in at 3? Uh, you can. You, you can. It's... Because I never beat any of the Borderlands games. And you always start as new characters, and each character is basically its own class. And each class has basically three skill trees that you basically level up and put points into your abilities. Um, and then, uh, Steph, it's kind of like Overwatch in a way that each character has that that alt, right? Like, you have a special ability. The one character I'm playing as, I think her name is Moxie. She basically, her alt's basic. she's fucking just uh, D.Va. Her alt is she gets in a mech, and she has the mech for a certain amount of time or cooldown. And then I have all these abilities that make, you know, certain weapons more powerful, make certain aspects of the mech more powerful. And then uh, the other aspect is you're constantly getting new guns, and they have, you know, the whole loot system where you're color-coded with stuff. And then there's sub-genres for, con- for guns, so you have, like, assault rifles, submachine guns, pistols, all that stuff. And then there's different grenades, there's different shields. So, I mean, this game is a lot of loot. Like, when I talk about looter shooter, I mean, this is hard, like... You're opening shit all the time. There's crates, and if, if if you like opening crates and stuff in games, you're gonna get your fucking fill here because you literally walk around everything that's green, whether it's a toilet, a trash can, a little shoebox, a safe, a giant locker. Um, you open it up, it usually gives you bullets or grenades, or sometimes you get guns. Um, there's a lot of stuff to go through. So you are, you know, another aspect of the game is going through the menus. You spend a lot of time in menus looking at what weapons you have, which ones you're going to sell, which ones you want to equip, you know, which grenade do you want to equip, which shield do you want to equip, which stuff are you going to drop, which stuff are you going to sell. So there's a lot of menu management as well, which could turn you off. Um, honestly, for me, the, the weapon stuff can be a little overwhelming. You could be like, I, I keep getting eight guns like every five minutes i have eight more guns i have to figure out which one i want but really you get so many guns you don't really have to get kind of attached to any one of them like, like right now i have like oh this shotgun's really cool it has eight shells it does a ton of damage in 10 minutes i'm gonna find a better shotgun and i'm gonna forget about that one and then even sometimes i'm selling weapons it's like oh this weapon's kind of good Should i hold on I was like, i'll just sell it i'm gonna find another better weapon as you level up all the weapons get better anyways so you're, you don't have to you my tip would be don't overanalyze all the different things you're getting don't be afraid to just sell everything you have because you're going to get more you're constantly getting more stuff so yeah i've really been enjoying borderlands um i do recommend it a lot especially if you play the games before and like them just jump right in um i do want to mention we got a couple games coming up that are really uh cool coming out for switch um the remake for the game boy game uh zelda Link's awakening is coming out for switch on friday I don't know about you guys. I never played Link's Awakening on Game Boy. Kind of just completely passed me by. I don't know what was happening to me. I loved Zelda on NES, and I didn't really get back into it until Ocarina of Time. And I can't remember if I just didn't know Link of a Past and Link's Awakening were things. I didn't care. But a lot of people like Link's Awakening. Wait a second. Wait a second. Mm-hmm. Did you never play A Link to the Past either? I did. It was. I was late. Like, I was about to get a PlayStation 2. Like, my, my SNES was about to go out. 
And I was like, oh shit, they made another Zelda for this fucking thing. And I played it. I was like, holy shit, how is this so good? And I didn't fucking know about it. And I'm honestly trying to think, like, did I see the box and just not think it was like a new Zelda game? Or I just thought they like re-release. I don't know. I, I honestly want to go back in time and, and think about like, why didn't this interest you? Like, why didn't you pick up on this? When I did, it was fantastic. I never played Link's Awakening, though. So Yeah, I, I think I remember playing it once or twice where I think maybe a friend of mine in, in grade school had it on his game boy and i think i i played maybe a half hour of it because i mean let's let's remember that original game boy was like eight batteries for about two hours of gameplay time no backlight so no hey, backlight if you're in the sun you're anything, fucked it's tough times kids uh but yeah i remember it was i i think it was a true sequel to a link to the past yeah, I, I think you're right, Mike. I, I wasn't totally sure on the timeline if that was before or after Link of a Past, but they're after everything I've heard is that they're very similar. Um, and all I've heard is really good things. And if you haven't seen the remake for Link's Awakening, they have completely redone the art style. It is fucking adorable. It is really cute. And I'm really looking forward to finally putting some time into that game. There is an indie game I've had my finger on for a long time, and they just recently announced that it's coming out this Friday. Um, and the title of that game is Untitled Goose Game. And... This is kind of a game where, one, you think they would have made a title. I kept thinking Untitled Goose Game was just their working title. Um, but after after so many years, everyone called it that. To change the name would have probably fucked them over really bad. Um, but basically, it's kind of maybe what you would think. You play as a goose, and as far as I can tell from the trailers, you just kind of go around and fuck with people, which seems really fun. Um, but yeah, you basically play as a goose, and I, I'm guessing you have objectives you have to complete in this like three-dimensional world but it just looks like all the trailers you're literally just a goose honking at people and getting them to chase you around and stuff it just looks like pure classic fun so uh those are the games i'm really excited about also on the 20th not only if those two games weren't enough for you i'm excited the solid snake amiibo is coming out and i had that pre-ordered for a while so i'm i'm very excited to get solid snake and put them on my shelf uh but other than that that is all i had this week for stuff i like i believe that ends out the show I think we did it, boys. This thing's well, still Mark, recording. Remember, you got to give a recap of all the things we like. Oh, oh, is that true? That's true. Okay. Is there anything else I'm supposed to like end the show with? I'm trying to remember on my notes. I don't think I've put anything like that. Well, uh, you haven't gonna... gone on a 20 minute rant about Colby Covington yet. Oh, but I, Seth, I haven't. Oh, and you it. haven't talked about any Chechen dictators either. Well, I don't know any of them, so I'm just really be speaking <laughs> ignorance to that fact. Uh, yeah, but. You got to check out Mike's Death Parade. Uh, that one actually sounds interesting, even though I think the concept I'm poking some holes in with, uh, where are all these bad people coming from, Mike? If they're so good and getting reincarnated. No answer. The world. Yeah. <laughs> okay, very they're good. coming from the world. But it, looks, it, it actually sounds like a cool premise. Um, like Steph mentioned before, California doing some stuff in the legislate. Who would have thunk it? But it's getting done. Like I mentioned before, we are in just the good old days of fall that the games just come down, nurturing us with their sweet, sweet rays. Um, so I definitely recommend Borderlands 3, Link's Awakening coming out on the 20th, as well as Untitled Goose Game. Uh, without further ado, I believe that does us for this episode of It's an Amazing Radio. I want to thank Lavender Gooms, Kid Presentable, I was DJ Mark. Next week, we will have Dr. Law. He will be running the show. Things will probably be a lot better. But remember, like I said with Mike, if you're listening to this podcast, a small miracle occur occurred, and we not only recorded this, I exported it, and I uploaded it correctly, so some props have to be given there. But until then, we will see you all next week. See you later. Gotta catch them all. Cheers. Cheers.